coming up next on The Health Hustle. In life, I go through birth, deaths, and resurrections, meaning like I have to learn through experience. And then after like the resurrection of like my two health journeys, for example, are a great example of that. Or like what I've learned in business, like the hard way, I have to go through the hard things in order for me to then create something new and better. And that's just like how my wiring is and like how the universe just sets up my path Mm. uh, for me. One of my best strategies is to respond in life versus like initiating and making things just happen. I've always been frustrated whenever I'm trying to force things to happen and they're not happening, but it's not in my design. Whereas if I would like respond, letting when I let things come to me and then decide to move forward with it or not and opportunities, things work out a lot easier. Hey folks, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On this show, we uncover the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. What's up, y'all? Corey here, and on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with Dr. Lauren Lax. Lauren is a former TV news journalist turned functional medicine and gut brain expert with over 25 years of clinical and personal experience. She's overcame 12 uncurable illnesses and is now on a mission to help people disrupt old paradigms in the health industry. Her personal story has been featured on ABC, Good Morning America, TEDx, CBS, US Today, and now officially on the Health Hustle podcast. Some of the things that we get into are why she has never worked for anyone else but herself. She's basically a serial entrepreneur. The moment that changed her life, what she means by gut hungers, the gut-brain connection, the insane amount of content that she's created. She's written multiple books, which is insane to me. One of her most expensive mistakes, learning things the hard way, which I can totally resonate with, her biggest differentiator, how she's been able to figure out how to work less, but also achieve more, and so much more. One last thing, if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads, I have a free seven-step process that walks you through how to convert your social media following into paying clients. You can find the link in the description of this episode. Without further ado, let's go. Lauren Lax, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm so well. So excited to be here. Yeah. I uh, I dug pretty deep into everything you've done from prior days up until now, so I'm excited to dig into all of it. Oh. So. You're going to unpack it. Let's do it. So the good place to start for this show for most people is just like the beginning of your quote unquote entrepreneurship journey. Do you remember the first moment that you were even awoken to the idea that you could start your own business? Um, I mean, I was a serial entrepreneur from the time I was like four or five years old <laughs> selling my Happy Meal toys as like a in a garage sale on my uh, street or whatever. Outside, I set up shop on that. Obviously had lemonade stands growing up and mm. um, Girl Scouts. Um, I just really wanted to win the dolphin necklace at, <laughs> that I could so, by selling the most cookies, etc. So it became early for me of just like wanting to make my own money and have my own business. I also was a serial babysitter or an entrepreneurial babysitter. Had my own babysitter's club party mm. of one. Nice. <laughs> um, and I, I loved those books, by the way. Babysitter's Club. You probably didn't read those. No. Yeah. But I there was like seven girls and I was like all seven of them basically in one in one business. Damn. Yeah. Where does a lot of that stem from, do you feel like? Because I don't know that a lot of people have that uh, passion, I guess, to just like want to do their own thing and make their own money. Yeah. I think, I mean, seeing my dad, he had his own law firm. So he is very entrepreneurial and then had multiple businesses. Honestly, I think it is innate, though, in, in the entrepreneur, too. Yeah. I, I didn't like being told what to do, maybe, too. Yeah. 
I yeah. can definitely resonate with that. I would argue that I'm pretty disagreeable in a lot of ways, which is definitely the reason like when I was in the more corporate world that I for sure got in trouble more often than not because I would just kind of do my own thing and I didn't necessarily play by the rules. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, I never played by the rules. My like claim to fame is I've never worked a full-time job for anyone else in my life. <laughs> and just always like even in post-college years and then grad school years, piecemealed all sorts of PRN, part-time type of work, freelance work. So I never would have to work for one. Damn. And is that just because like you just rebel against wanting to work for other people? Like what is it? I love my own schedule and my autonomy. Yeah. Not being necessarily tied down or being told what to do. I'd admit autonomy becomes very addicting. I mean, even from, there's that inner rebel I think we all have in some capacity, like values levels we'll go through. It's called values level three uh, of being a human. We go through eight total in our lives. Eight would be like Gandhi level. So we may not all go through eight, but values level three would be like the rebel. And a lot of times, like from a developmental perspective, we'll go through that. Like obviously age two, we have toddler stage, but really teenage years we also have a rebellious period from myself. I never really went through the classic teenage rebel years as we'll probably unpack a little bit within my story, but I was very sick with chronic eating disorders, anorexia. So I wasn't like out partying with friends as a teenager. So I think I got some of my rebel out like in my entrepreneurial path as well. So does everybody go or try, I guess, strive to go through those eight stages is it similar to like uh maslow's hierarchy like how does that play a, out a bit um we will transcend so after values level three we go to values level four some people just stay kind of stuck there which would be systems thinking uh 70 of the population is living in a values level four state where it's just we do what we're told by the book or like you know white lab code is right like in the medical field or I go to college, I get a good job, I do the American dream thing. That would be values level four. Values level five is the entrepreneur. So that's where we begin to transcend as entrepreneurs, thinking like, huh, maybe how could I earn my own money or like do my own thing? Values level six is about more so like community, doing things for humanity. And like it, as we get up in seven and eight, it starts to become less about self and more about like others and everything like that. But I've never heard of this. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's an NLP concept, neuro linguistic programming concept. So you, I would argue you were what, probably in the five, six realm of yeah, some form, maybe exactly. a seven. I don't know. No, five, six. I would say like a vast majority of our peers here in Austin are like in the entrepreneur space. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of people here that are definitely carving their own path, but also like wanting to give back to community in a lot of ways. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's cool. I've never heard of such a thing. Cool. Uh, so let's follow that journey a little bit. So you are also an OT, which yes. I love and admire. It's so rare Shout that I meet. Out. I know for real. <laughs> occupational therapist. Yeah, for... yeah. Thank you. Uh, there's so few of us, I feel like. So it whenever is. you run into one, you're like, oh my gosh. I know. I feel like it's, unfortunately, it feels like a dying profession. And like, I want to bring new life to it because I feel like there's so much we can do within really helping people live life to the fullest and meaningful lives is what the premise is. Um, of OT and I think traditionally a lot of people think about OT as being you know in a rehab hospital or working with like kids that have autism and etc whereas we can transcend that or 
I've kind of been doing that in my business. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what makes the profession so confusing and why so many people don't even know what an occupational therapist is, is because I had a professor tell me that it's kind of a inch deep and a mile wide. Yeah. Like you can go so many directions with it from literally like the tech industry to mental health to physical health and everything in between. Yeah. I, it's a good for the individual that gets bored easily. Right. Totally. Yeah. So I would be curious then as to like, let's fill in the gaps a little bit for people. So like you had the serial entrepreneurship when you were more a young child and eventually you reached a point where you have a doctorate in occupational therapy. What's the interim there? What's the in-between? Well, I think after my serial entrepreneurship as a young kid, like lemonade stands, starting my babysitter's club, there was a distinct moment. Like I remember at age 10 years old when I found myself in a hospital and I was being plated, um, not one, but four Pop-Tarts on my pop- my tray. And nurse Bertha comes in and says, eat it. And the kitchen had messed up that day. I actually was only supposed to have one Pop-Tart on my tray. But I had to sit there and then in the next 15 minutes eat four Pop-Tarts. And I hadn't had a Pop-Tart since I was like, I don't know, probably eight. I was only 10 right now. But something inside me like flipped a switch of like, this is not right. And I just remember feeling like a prisoner in my own skin. Um, I was in the hospital at that time for an early journey of anorexia that had begun earlier that year. And so was being refed and nourished in a hospital where I was being told, like, this is good for me, this is healthy for me, this is what I have to do. After 15 minutes passed, my little tummy was gurgling and remember just, like, completely soiling myself and, like, my stomach couldn't handle all that sugar and processed food, etc. And then the nurse running in and just saying, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, you so you are going to be in so much trouble Hmm. and basically showering me, then giving me a boost shake, like an insure to drink, to make up for the lost calories. But like really that moment is something inside me flipped a switch. And it was just like, I'm going to figure out like a, (laughs) how to do things and to help people eventually one day, uh, which is really what I built my business on and to do things in a different way. And so that's where a lot of, I think, skepticism around just conventional thinking began and not in all spheres, whether it's healthcare for sure, as well as in business, as well as in just like the way of like the education system, et cetera. There's just so many systems in our society um, and being told what to do. And a lot of us just tend to follow suit. And so I began, that's where the entrepreneurship side of me began. And then I think fasting forward, fast forward to, you know, age 23, which is where I was in grad school at the time. Um, really, my journey of my eating disorder had been continuing from, for that long as well. And I was actually going to be the next Katie Kirk on the Today Show. It was my goal. <laughs> my, um, I love broadcast. I love journalism. And I love telling stories, writing, etc., So that was really my path. Um, However, my health journey really took me down another. And so I found myself at age 23, like 13 years later after all that had happened, again in a hospital, um, really on death's doorstep. And I was 79 pounds and it really, everything had flashed back into my my life or my head of being that 10 year old girl. Only this time I was obviously 23. Um, Before making it into that hospital, though, I'll never forget waking up one morning and just like 
seeing that number and then praying like, God, help me make a change today and driving to the gym. And I was yelling that out loud, God, help me make a change today. And what I thought that meant was help me eat a tablespoon of almond butter more Mm. or work out 30 minutes less on my Stairmaster. And when I got to the gym at the YMCA in Nashville, not one, but nine other individuals walked up and these were nine other gym goers who didn't know me from really Adam. And they just stepped in and spoke up and said they wanted to help. And they had seen me slaving away on a Stairmaster every single day that whole past year and just withering away. I was working out upwards of six to eight hours a day at that time. And my eating disorder had become such a part of my like achievement and control and just amidst stress of school, etc. And they said, I really didn't have an option that they were going to help me. So they drove me to Vanderbilt Hospital where I can't come in and no bullet wound has happened or car injury or whatever. But within 48 hours, I found myself in the CCU with a heart rate in the near 20s and doctors saying I may not make it. And that is when something in me really flipped and just said, I am going to help people come out on the other side of this. And this meant wherever they're stuck in their life. I had been stuck for so long. And so I didn't know exactly what that looked like, Um, like, you know, from a business perspective or anything like that. But I did know all of my mess was going to be like something beautiful uh, and be used for good. And so that's where like mission began to form uh, to really want to help people to heal. So my business was really founded from my own health journeys and also like questioning conventional thinking and really wanting to do something different and make the world a better place. People have heard me say this on the show a number of times, but I think it just rings so true with so many of the people that I talk to of we are always best posi- positioned to serve the person we once were. Definitely. And that's totally what happened with that story. And for the record, thanks for sharing that. It yeah. definitely like it's not just cold in here. I for sure got goosebumps. No, <laughs> that's like, awesome. That's pretty incredible that you were able to have people around you in your life that were able to support you in that moment. Um, I guess for anybody else, just to like maybe understand, and we don't have to go too deep into this rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. but I'd be curious as to what did you maybe learn from that experience of an eating disorder and what could maybe others learn from it to maybe, I don't know, prevent it or to get out of something like that if they were in that situation or like what what did you really learn from that? Like what's the message? I mean, I think ultimately eating disorders are not about the food. It's not about body. Like really my eating disorder was a gut hunger. I call them gut hungers that I had inside of a need for worth or a need for obviously control is, uh, is how I also met that. Um, a need for like wanting like connection in my life. So my eating disorder personally started when a little girl 10 years old said basically I was fat. Like she was 69 pounds. I was 80 pounds and like made a comment basically of how fat she was and asked me what I weighed. And so it was in that moment at that fourth grade recess that that like the seeds of not being good enough um, and some of those seeds had been planted earlier. But I would say like eating disorders are really not about food and body. It's about hungers that we have in our lives. And so whether it's a hunger for control, a hunger for worth, a hunger for connection and love, a hunger for purpose, a hunger for joy, like there's multiple hungers that like would uh, feed our souls and we try to just it oftentimes can manifest in food and through food as being the metaphor so I think if you have a funky relationship with food or with your body if you're thinking about food more often than you used to for example or if you're finding yourself like you know eating beyond like 
satisfaction to just get really curious and ask like, what am I really hungry for? And that would be, I guess, the self-reflection. Yeah, I've competed in a couple of physique shows and it's interesting, like the mental behaviors that that teaches you Mm -hmm. of like, even now to this day, I can still admit that I don't necessarily eat so much of like satiations. Like I don't really follow those in a lot of ways. I just eat because like I feel like you're supposed to and I need the calories and I want to compete and I'm very athletic. Right. Yeah. Which I would argue probably isn't the healthiest mentality behind it. But yeah, I think it just depends. Like, you know, I think we all have to do a gut check for ourselves too. It's like, you know, is this healthier, not healthy mindset for me and how I'm thinking about food and approaching it. Right. Interesting. That I just, yeah, I just wanted to tap on that real quick because yeah. obviously you've had a lot of experience with it and yeah. you look great now for the Thanks. record. So Thank you. it's, you've come a long ways, yeah. but, um, okay. So let's follow that journey a little bit then. So you realized that you had a new path in life. You weren't going to be a journalist or the next star on a television yes. per se. You are a star on a podcast. Exactly. For the <laughs> At least in the way that I scripted it. Uh, yeah. So knowing now that you had a new journey in life and you wanted to get more into the health space and like essentially serve the person you once were. Where did you go next? How did yeah, that look? so I ended up spending a year in treatment again after many years, and so had some time to think of what I wanted to do next step wise. Decided to go back, finish my doctorate degree because I really ended up get in school for that doctorate as a, a ticket out of Arkansas. I was like mm-hmm. living at home with my parents after college, working in the newsroom, but they wanted me to live at home because I was so sick. So I went back to school, finished that out. And then it was like when I launched to the world, that's really where beginning to put my business together began. And it started in a CrossFit gym, like coaching people, like both in fitness as well as just like actually health coaching, life coaching kind of work that I began doing. Um, I started a website and I learned quickly, build it and they will not come necessarily. (laughs) I was like, I put so much energy into that. And then I was like, oh yeah, there's like a whole marketing piece to this. But it really just started life on life, like really impacting one life at a time and really working with people where they were at and their health goals and health, um, really coaching kind of perspective is how I started and then began to kind of, I mentioned like I had part-time jobs, PRN jobs, like so with my OT degree, I was working part-time in the hospitals and the um, pediatric clinics, et cetera, just so I could like eat and like earn, earn some money as I'm building something on the side and people just getting to like know and trust me more. I've been in Austin 17 years and so it was like building even just like awareness of who I was in in town and i mean there was a whole nother chapter after the eating disorder too of a health journey that began or became my like fast track to metal in medical school like i was actually going to go back and to medical school and i ended up getting sick with like lyme disease mold illness five autoimmune diseases hypothyroidism um, all sorts of just like gut issues and hormone imbalances and what I, something i call post recovery recovery what happens to your body after just years of chronic dieting, disordered eating, not taking care of yourself. And so my gut terrain had been wrecked. And so for the, from age 23 to 33, I began to like just battle these things as I'm also building a business. And it became such amazing inspiration mm. for what I'm doing ultimately now, which is functional medicine, nutrition, therapy work, just at a deeper level than just 
coaching that I was initially doing with an OT degree. And so my own journey again became my best teacher in in what I am now doing today. Yeah, because you could resonate with people, right? 100%. You were living it day in and day out. What do you contribute those issues coming from? You said like it was just... uh, a pile up of the things you'd done in the past over the years or like, yeah. how did you get to that I mean, point? if I had been sick with my eating disorder for about 15 years, like your gut microbiome gets wrecked from not eating to like <laughs> eating four pop tarts in one setting or like egg McMuffin Friday mornings and treatment and triple bagel days, et cetera. Like there was just some crazy stories from my eating disorder treatment experiences, which pop tarts, pizza and Prozac is the typical treatment for eating disorders. So I lived in these two opposing worlds, whether it was like really strict restriction or like the complete opposite standard American diet at like if you've ever seen the movie Heavyweights, I was like living that in treatment. Um, And so my gut microbiome was not really seated well. The gut is connected to everything. And so like from an immune perspective, a hormone perspective, a brain perspective, a detox perspective, like my body, the systems were just not working. They were depleted. So that's where these issues began to crop up in that latter 10 years after I was out of all of the eating disorder stuff. Based on everything you know about gut health, I'm going to throw a question at you mm-hmm. that I don't feel like I've ever asked on a podcast show. But like, what would be maybe the best and or the worst foods maybe somebody could be eating for their health? Yeah, I mean, I think... Or gut health specific- yeah. specifically. Ultimately, like the ultra-processed foods, 70% of people are that's the majority of food that americans are eating right um but even in you know i think about like drying foods like bars and like chips etc like even the paleo keto versions of those things like if you're not if you don't have a base diet of like real foods that protein fat and fiber at your meals just balance and that are coming from the perimeter of the grocery store or like what you would find at your farmer's market like that just being the real nourishing foods for your body. So if your diet is primarily I'm eating like three protein bars in a day and like running on a pot of coffee every day, mm-hmm. then your gut microbiome is just not being seated well um, or set up for as much success as possible. <clears throat> I feel like you're talking about me with the coffee. <laughs> um, <coming. laughs> I know you're turning over a new leaf. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, thanks for sharing that. Um, so I want to circle back to you kind of starting the business and like scratching your own inch, essentially, yeah. of dealing with all these health issues yourself. Do you happen to remember your first client or clients? Or was there one that had like a big impact on you when you were first starting your business? Yeah, I mean, I think I like we um, attract who we were or work t- tend to work with maybe who we were five years ago, that kind of client. So I think early on, my clients were those that had struggled with disordered eating and body image and just like lack of food freedom. And so there were some just like really like maybe college age girls that come to mind to me right now of like that really trusted me to like guide them and lead them into a different way of thinking. Mm. A lot of the work that I was doing at that stage was more thought work now as like with my functional medicine and nutrition, I'm also doing a lot more physical type of health um, work as well with people. One of my favorite clients, she was she 40 pounds when I started working with her. And she was, I think, probably like 19. And so she was living oh. in Singapore and had found my story online. Um, like CBS had done a story on my angel's intervention. Um, 
So like national news, she found it on like YouTube or something like that, reached out and she was living at home with her family and her family was doing family like refeeding therapy. Like she wasn't in hospitals anymore. Doctors had given up on her and she trusted me. Um, And so I started coaching her, working with her twice a week where we would do just checking calls and our time differences were so like vast. I think she'd be talking to me at like 11 PM at night. And I was talking at like really early in the morning with her, but fast forward and like, she's completely healed. And it's so cool. She actually recently reached out to me. She saw a job post on LinkedIn that I had posted for an assistant in my virtual clinic. And she reached out to apply. And so connected dope yeah that's cool i love the power of content from that standpoint exactly <clears throat> i think people love to hate on like social media or content in general but at the end of the day it's just connected so many people to other people and it's amazing yeah it is so i know you have done a ted talk recently congrats thanks that's amazing uh you have a book yeah you have a ton of content i've seen like your tons of guides and ebooks and all sorts of stuff yeah of all of these things that you've done and a podcast show of all these things that you've done, is there one that stands out to you that maybe has had the biggest impact or been the most helpful for you? I love writing. So I will always be a, a starving artist, if anything. Uh, <laughs> just from, I have, think I have 14 books on my computer still that I have not published. Um, Wait, that you've written? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So okay. much content sitting on. Um, but my Total Gut Reset book that I am about to launch this spring has probably been the most impactful because it's really a summation of my journey and the beginning and then there are tactics in it but it really is um, health is an inside job and about healing from the inside like by my own experience sharing that and it's a book I birthed um, I think like right before the pandemic I was actually going to release it in 2020 uh, decided not to in March 2020 of all times so obviously uh, other things happened and I decided not to release it then and I'm so thankful I didn't because I've even healed more and just like learned more but yeah it's definitely the baby that's been cooking really for 35 years of my life so yeah and you have a profound story so I'm sure it just like came out like nothing yeah definitely it's been through 18 iterations so like edits and everything like that so it's just been refined yeah. I'm kind of on the verge of like, I love the the value of a book in general. And I also, as a, I'm definitely an introvert, so I enjoy the time to sit down and just write as well. That's but awesome. I don't know. I, I feel like my story is more about like went to college and partied and drank beer and now sometime, somehow I'm an entrepreneur. There's, <laughs> like, there's a story in there. <laughs> I know we could pull it out. <laughs> but yeah, you have such a fascinating story. I'm sure it's resonated with a lot of people. So that's super cool. What's maybe the the most expensive mistake you've ever made? And that could be emotionally or monetarily in relation to your business. A lot of expensive mistakes. (laughs) A lot. I always say I'm going to write a book on what not to do in business because I think I like... You hit them all? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I think there was one year... I mean, I think just financially, just like... I've all like early on, it was a build it and there will come philosophy with anything. So it's like, if I see a vision, I'm going to create it. I I'm a creator by that's my superpower. And it's my like Achilles heel too, because sometimes I'll focus so much on creation. Mm. Don't market it obviously with like 14 books on my computer right now. Totally. Um, but yeah, like $60,000 spent on, like designs and website stuff in a year. And that was just like silly money that I like should not have spent on all these Upwork designers and random 
website people. And I think putting a lot more merit into a website than needs to be. Like I love nowadays where there are like so many simple options for people to design or create a website. But like really my philosophy has become like, how can I make things as simple as possible, both in business and then also for the product or the in the service I provide for clients as well. Yeah, I can definitely resonate with that creator aspect. It's it's funny though because I my entire life would have never in a million years called myself quote unquote creative. I've always felt myself as a very logical thinker, but like over the last maybe two or three years of just like creating a lot of content and doing a podcast show and writing and all those things, there is like an identity shift that for sure happened. And it's weird because it it does become kind of addicting in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. like to the point where you're right, it is a distraction, right? Like you create so much without the actual like marketing or selling side of it. And like less is more like that. I'm really excited as I'm starting a new venture in my business and kind of like taking all that I've learned from the past to then create a new product moving forward and a brand company called the Total Gut Reset, but really to be able to focus more on like something solo, which would be like biohacking your health through your gut. And there's um, many things that you, beyond just digestive issues, one will experience or may experience have, but um, the focus is still going to be how the gut helps leverage that versus When I look back at everything I've created, there's been, I have so many passions and so many things Mm -hmm. um, and so much experience, whether I'm talking mold or Lyme or gut or hormones or metabolism or detox, like it goes on and on. Uh, But I think that can be also confusing or or overwhelming if I just like launch 10 of 10 products or 10 ebooks on different things if that makes sense no it totally does yeah <clears throat> there's a there's such an importance to being able to focus right and to have like intentions around like i was just talking to a client the other day about i do a lot of website design development and marketing as well and i was telling him the other day i was like the three questions we always have to answer is what do you do what problem do you solve and what action do you want people to take next and if you can't very quickly wrap that off of like what those are we have a problem because mm-hmm. if you can't do it, how in the world is somebody that's coming to find your content or your business going to figure it out? Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So let's follow this journey a little bit then. So you're pushing towards this gut health thing. You're yes. leaning really hard into creating content around that and yeah. to the golden poop as yes, one might say. Poop. So mm. where, where do you see things going now with your business and like what's kind of the future ahead? Yeah, I think definitely scaling up outside of myself and becoming an owner versus an operator in my business has been really what the, the beat I'm marching to now. I've been an operator for 10 years and I'm ready to like step into more of a leadership role over what I'm doing and like help uh, find the who's not the house in my business as well that are going to help drive the vision forward and hiring like hire slow fire fast like just really methodically building a team number one because I can't there is strength in numbers and I think to scale to a model that may compete really disrupting the diet industry is the is a mission for me so if I want to compete with a company such as like say Weight Watchers of the baby boomer generation or uh, a whole 30 or even like a CrossFit business model, meaning from a community perspective, like if I want to get at that scale, I can't just keep doing what I'm doing and wearing all the hats in my business. So I think that's a big part of, of building for sure. What did you say? Hire slow, fire fast? What yeah, did you say? hire slow, fire fast, like hiring methodically versus like in the past when I've brought on contractors or 
team members, it's usually like, oh, you're a web designer. Great. You can do this. Like mm. versus vetting them a bit more. Um, or like if it is someone that is a more right wing woman or man for me, like a COO or a CMO. How do you vet for some of that stuff? I had, uh, what's her name? Kaylin Piles, KP on the show recently. And she talked a lot about, she uses actually an anagram. Oh, um, interesting. Is how she does a lot of her hiring. But I'd be curious, how do you vet for people? Um, a couple of things. Like I've really gotten into human design, number one. So understanding one's human design um, is really helpful, I think, for understanding like what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, what are their strategies. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might have ran mine sort of. I think oh, I'm yes, a... yes. We talked about this. Was it a Manny Gen or something? Oh, like I that? love Manny Gens. Yes. Okay. Superpowers. <laughs> but like even beyond that, like that's just the top layer. But it, the human design will show how one operates. Like so, for example, one of my human design qualities is in life I go through birth, deaths, and resurrections, meaning like I have to learn through experience and then after like the resurrection of like my two health journeys, for example, are a great example of that. Or like what I've learned in business, like the hard way, I have to go through the hard things in order for me to then create something new and better. And that's just like how my wiring is and like how the universe just sets up my path mm. uh, for me. And one of my best strategies is to respond in life versus like initiating and making things just happen. I've always been frustrated whenever I'm, trying to force things to happen and they're not happening, but it's not in my design. Whereas if I would like respond, letting when I let things come to me and then decide to move forward with it or not and opportunities, things work out a lot easier in my, in my design. And so knowing that about myself, knowing that about the team members I bring on, where I'm also like, where am I lacking? Where is one more strong? In, in those qualities. So that's one way of, I think, vetting people. Another would be just like more so before signing like contracts or like just doing kind of a trial period with people and whatever the capacity of that uh, job role is. So if it is an assistant or if it is like even a one-off project or a mini project, if it's like a designer or something like that. So kind of just having like a tryout. No, I totally <clears throat> I agree yeah. with both of those in a lot of ways. And I can definitely say that I'm one of those people that also trial by fire seems to be the only way that I could learn anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Uh-huh. It totally just actually just recently happened when I was out in Cozumel, Mexico with the buddies for a bachelor party. And uh, we did some scuba diving. And it was I'd never done it before. And everyone and their mom was like, did you, are you certified? I'm like, no, I'm not certified. I've never done this in my life. Didn't even know that was a thing. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, though, it was awesome. But at the same time, there was a degree of like anxiety that came from doing something like that. Yeah. Where like you're, because if you go up too quickly when you're deep enough, you get the bends, right? Exactly. And uh, so yeah, there's anxiety when you're at the bottom of an ocean thinking like, man, I really need to get to the surface, but I can't because I'll die. And it's like, yeah, there's just a lot going through yeah. your head at those moments. But you survived. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I'm here. Talking. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is a trial by fire thing, and I've always learned best that way for whatever reason. I admire the people that can do it the other way of I know. feedback and exactly. Yeah. Just- learning that one. What, uh, what do you feel like differentiates you from people out there like in the other gut health worlds then I guess one could say? Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately just my really vast experience of personal experiences, Mm. um, that have like really allowed me to feel what my clients go through or like the end user is going through versus just like learning something with my head, knowing that 
gut health is important or something like that scientifically. Um, I think too, my like edge of really food freedom is different and anecdotal to a lot of, um, diet culture out there, both health and diet culture, healthy eating culture, we may call it now. I feel like that word diet is a bit archaic, but if, I mean, you think about any diet under the sun right now, carnivore, keto, vegan, like whatever macro you're going to be cutting out, um, like those all maybe have a therapeutic time and place. And like, I have a big food freedom perspective just with my own eating disorder history that it's like when given the right tools, your body innately wants to heal itself. And no one ever did a study showing balance to be a bad thing. And so I think I talk more in like that kind of languaging. I'm really big on the words I use and like not scarcity mindset either, like an abundance mindset with food and just like also with lifestyle factors. It's really stress is the number one, I think, factor that's like causing all of our health issues in our society, not just overt gut issues. And so I do too have that edge where I'm also like not just looking at one physically, but also I understand like the mental and emotional pieces of of one Mm -hmm. and their healing. I think um, just with my background in NLP type of work and German new medicine, which is another framework that I've been using a lot more to understand like the root causes of illness that I would say most functional medicine practitioners out there are just, it's kind of becoming green allopathy, a lot of functional medicine rather, um, where it's like, okay, we're not doing RX prescriptions, but we're trading like supplements and lab tests for, um, yeah, pills and workups and maybe patients get better, but maybe some don't. And so I, I think I take a very genuinely holistic perspective. Yeah. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. Buddha said it, the middle way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Oh, oh, I think about it in every area of life. Yeah, it's um, actually profound. Um, when you said the word stress, I just want to bring this up because like, I feel like people listening to the show could benefit from something like this. I had a mentor once tell me, and I, it's a trigger for me now in my brain whenever I hear the word stress. He goes, just relax your butthole. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and so like anyone listening, makes you think, yeah, uh, it's like, oh, wait, why am I clinching right now? Yeah. Like, it's because you're holding on to a little stress. Yeah. So just relax that. And that's then you're so funny. And then it just like what relaxes everything. Cool mentor here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyone listening to the show, when you hear the word stress, just relax your butthole. You're, yeah. probably, you're probably clinching for a moment. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I have a round of rapid fire questions for you. Cool. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Best business advice. I mean, trust your gut is ultimately what just came up to me versus your head. I talk about tune in, take care, trust your gut. Yeah. I think like we, when we get caught up in comparing ourselves to other people or doing what we should or like, yeah, checklist versus just like tuning into like what is our bigger vision and then trusting in the next best step to get there. I think that takes a lot of stress out of it and that it's a marathon, not a sprint too. Yeah. I like the trust your gut thing. It was Naval. I can't pronounce his last name. It starts with an R, but he said it takes a long time to develop your gut, but once you do, don't listen to anything else. Yeah. I think that's, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah. There's a lot of noise out there otherwise. Best marketing advice. I think just ultimately being authentic um, there's so much like talk about vulnerability out there nowadays, but 
I have found just like even in my own like Instagram post, et cetera, it's like the content that I'm actually, when I'm the one writing the post and I'm, it's just a very authentic post, it sticks and lands so much better than like a very factual post or something that maybe my team puts together based on content I've created. Even if they're taking from my other content, it's like still me being the hands and the touch there. So I think the more authentic we can be in our marketing and just genuinely like falling in love with your customers versus the product or that you're selling or like the sale itself, that is going to be so much more attractive. I would say also too, of it's a lot more fun that way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more joy that I feel like comes from that. Yeah. I found anyways. What's your favorite part about entrepreneurship? Autonomy and no ceiling. Yeah. No ceiling. Yeah. When are you the most productive? I mean, I'm productive all the time. Um, but <laughs> Whoa, okay. <laughs> I think when I move, like I, my friends joke with me, I have a retirement type of schedule because I move a lot in the day. And so like I have fixed points like in the morning, middays, in the evenings for like both movement and then also connection with people. Um, and I'm actually working less in my business than I ever have and actually more productive because of that. So I think like, you know, those deep work times of pockets of like three to four hours and then taking a break is really helpful for me to be productive and keeps me going. I have the same schedule, I would say. Mm. Retirement schedule though, I've not heard it called yeah. that. Who is your inspiration? Tony Robbins. Yeah, you were just recently at an event. Give us the, what's like the biggest thing you learned from that event you were recently at? Yeah, I mean, I think the one I went to recently was Business Mastery and it was the walking away with being, I'm an owner now, not an operator. But he talks a lot about incantations in general, which is like um, what we repeat, the stories we tell ourselves on a daily basis. And so walking away with new stories to tell myself. Yeah. One of my favorite things that people say when I'm having a conversation with them and I know they're they're on my wavelength Mm -hmm. is when they go, the stories I tell myself. Like anything that's about to follow that sentence, I'm always like, oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. Like this will be good. (laughs) Unpacked. Who is your, or sorry, tell me one secret about you oh. or something just some, most people just don't know about you. That's so challenging. Um, what don't people know about me? It doesn't uh, have to be. Uh, I had Angela on the show at one point and she said she sleeps with a nightlight. Like, <laughs> so it doesn't, you know I mean? It could be anything. I mean, but. I don't sleep much at all. Like as a health practitioner, I sleep maybe five or six hours a night and I have so much energy. You sleep five to six hours a night? Yeah. Yeah. I don't require much sleep. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So when I ask, okay, that ties into productivity, I feel yes. like, because you're like, you have an extra like three hours over everybody Perhaps. else. <laughs> and I don't drink coffee. I've never actually had a cup of coffee in my life ever. <laughs> okay. Those are massive. <laughs> fl- okay. Anyways, I don't, we don't even have to go into that. That's wild <laughs> to me. Uh, what would you change about yourself? I would change. I love myself now. I don't know. Like, it's like. Um, oh, I tend to sometimes overthink things. So I think just the ability to not overthink. What's your favorite app or resource that you're using right now? I love notes on my phone. <laughs> the good old notes app is just like on your iPhone, but mm-hmm. I keep so many, I do a daily breath prayers journal on there where it's just like releasing the worries, stresses or prayers on my heart and head. And I've been doing that for like four years. And it's just so cool to look back on it and just see like the answered prayers along the way. 
when were you the happiest? I'm pretty happy now. I love just being in, whenever I'm in Austin, Texas, I'm happy. So yeah, okay. You nailed it. You're yeah, here. So yeah. uh, what's your favorite part about Austin? And you can't say the people. <laughs> Is that what everyone Everyone says, says that. I'm going to say the people. I Yeah, we know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've determined that as the answer but yeah. we're not gonna let people use it um i mean i love how austin is one of those cities where you just come as you are and so yeah be who you are so i have one last question for you but before i ask that question i just want to acknowledge you for following your own path and continuing to do your own thing and to have always been an entrepreneur for some crazy wild reason mm -hmm. and to now be in a place where you are serving other people that were once yourself and to be doing that at a super high level with hiring a team and creating your own podcast show and doing TED talks. And I just think it's awesome. I just want to acknowledge that. Thank you. Yeah. Shout out to you too. <laughs> uh, before I ask my last question, what's your plug? Where can people find you? Oh, drlauren.com. It's Dr. Lauren with a Y though, not an E. And then that's my handle as well, just at Dr. Lauren on Instagram primarily. Cool. Last question. It's really what's your best piece of advice to other entrepreneurs out there? And so like if you were to start over from ground zero of what you're doing now with your business and your practice and everything, mm -hmm. and you were to give rather yourself a piece of advice or somebody else in that situation, what would you maybe tell them? Yeah. I mean, I think keeping your like why in mind, like as your driving factor, like just understanding you know, the, the purpose of the mission of why you're doing what you're doing and will help you focus on people like your customer versus the product or make just like, I'm not making as much money as I want, et cetera. Like if I think you focus on creating a very, what it is you always wanted kind of thing, like, or that why it, all the money will find you kind of thing. So mm -hmm. like I, we were talking before the show, like my prayer and my business is always bring God, you bring the manna and I'm working less than I ever have in my business and yet have been more fruitful in my business because of just like really focusing on delivering like a, a solid product basically in quotes. Cause it's always, it's been a service right now. Uh, but really focus, like my mission has been my primary driver. Love that. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you, and that would be to check on my 3 Tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters, and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep hustling, my friends.